Well, first of all, happy Mother's Day to those who are mothers. I am grateful for mothers, especially this week. <laughs> As some of you know, Sarah is on the Guatemala mission team, so we have been figuring out how to... Sorry, I'm having microphone problems. I'll fix this, so I'm not bothered by it. There we go. Um, so Sarah's on the Guatemala mission team with Jen and Gloria and Mike, and uh, they arrived last night in, or stayed last night in Antigua, Guatemala. This was not their original plan, but they had several flight delays. They were at the airport at quarter of six yesterday morning, and their plane took off at noon. So, but they finally did make it to Guatemala by way of Dallas, which was not the original route either. Uh, and spent last night and this morning in Antigua, which is not their plan, but today we'll be heading on to, or maybe already are, to Chichi Castanango, which will be their kind of home base for the week, uh, famous for its big market, where people, especially tourists, spend a lot of time in Guatemala. And then um, during the week, they will be traveling from Chichi Castanango out into some of the remote villages where the Mayan people live, to set up temporary medical clinics. So this is on the left is Peter Carlton, who was on their team um, at a previous trip that he went on, setting up um, medical clinics for people who very often have never seen a medical professional before. So our prayers are with them. This is Linda Brewster on the right. She is a nurse practitioner with a private practice in Yarmouth and also a United Methodist Pastor, and she was here with us last week as we commissioned our mission team. So I'm thankful for mothers um, because we are really missing Sarah. <laughs> Not just because of all the things that she does in our family, but also because of the love that she brings to our family. I'm also thankful for mothers because today I have my mom visiting. She took pity on me to juggle all the things that I do, plus solo parenting. So she's here for a few days. And then later in the week, Sarah's mom is going to be coming from North Carolina to spend a couple of days and then overlap with the time that they get back. I'm not lucky. I am like the luckiest. I am really lucky. And I are blessed, and I know that. So, thankful for mothers. And I also know that today is a complicated day for many. For, for some, this is a day of great joy. And for others, this is a really difficult day. I'm thinking particularly about those who... Um, have difficult relationships with their mothers or mothers with their children, um, those who are separated by distance or death, uh, those who've never known their mothers or perhaps never known their children, uh, for those who've always wanted to be mothers and for one reason or another couldn't, uh, for those who've really struggled with what it means to be a mother, and for those who find themselves in situations where they're solo parenting, trying to be mother and father at the same time. So for for some, this is a day of great rejoicing. For others, it's a difficult day. You know that Mother's Day actually has its roots in the peace and justice movement. What we do today has nothing to do with what Mother's Day was actually about. Nothing at all. Because Mother's Day has been totally commandeered by the greeting card industry. That is what happened. It turned into this overly sentimentalized thing that is just loaded with emotion. The full range of emotions. So today we just honor the range of experiences and the range of emotions that may be present in this room. And for that reason, we really don't make a big deal about Mother's Day, because it's not a happy, um, it's not a day of, you know, gushy greeting cards for everyone and roses and carnations. 
So, today is also the fourth Sunday of Easter, right? So even though this sign went up on <laughs> April 21st everywhere, 75% off Easter, <laughs> that was up everywhere on April 21st, right? But for those of us in the church, Easter is not a one-and-done kind of thing. It isn't a one-day and then move on to Valentine's Day. What would be next? I don't even know. Um, what would be next in the, in the secular Memorial Day, I guess? Fourth of July? Um, for those of us in the church, Easter is a season. How many days? Anybody know? This is a really trick, trick question. 40. Now that's a good guess, because Lent is 40 days, right? And everything is 40. But not 40, but you're close. 50? In the last, in the 9 o'clock, someone said 49, 50, something like that. And it is confusing, because... The 50th day is Pentecost. You know, Penta, like Pentagon, 50th. Um, originally, the 50th day after Passover, we celebrate Pentecost the 50th day after Easter. And on Pentecost, which is June 8th this year, we remember the, the um, arrival of the, the gift of the Holy Spirit in tongues of fire and uh, many languages. So Easter is a season, and we are in the fourth Sunday of the season of Easter. If you were here on Easter Sunday, you got one of these eggs. And if you weren't here, good luck, because there's a basket that still has some. And inside the egg, there was, of course, some chocolate, which I'm going to save for later. Because what's an Easter egg without chocolate? But also a little slip of paper. Um, this has become a tradition at Hope Gateway. I think this is our sixth year of doing the Easter egg challenge. Um, and this year, everyone's challenge was exactly the same. Practice resurrection. Between now and May 25th, engage in some Easter acts of kindness. What's an Easter act of kindness? Well, um, kind of keeping your eyes and your minds and your hearts open for places of death where you might be an instrument of God's gift of life. Or a place of darkness where you can offer some light. Or a place of despair where you might um, be an instrument of God's hope. Uh, we might call them random acts of kindness, but let's not make them so random. Let's make them intentional acts of kindness. And I hope that, how, how many of you, by the way, have, have been thinking about this and, and, and maybe engaging in some Easter acts of kindness? A few, okay. Well, it's not May 25th yet, so you still have a couple more weeks. And if you haven't, I hope that you will in the week ahead. Um, think about this. It's really just about being open so that you are aware of situations and, and thinking about how you can, can engage. Um, and maybe later, someone will want to share a story about something that you've done, some way that you have practiced resurrection. Last week we started this worship series called Finding Your Stride. And Sarah introduced the idea of birthright. Anybody remember what birthright means in the context in which Sarah shared it? What is your birthright? What God is calling you to be, to do, right? The unique set of gifts that God has planted within you, the calling that God places upon your life, the, you might say your, your mission in life. And maybe that changes and ebbs and flows with life, but God is right in the midst of it. And you are uniquely who you are because God created you. So um, we were we've been drawing upon this book a little bit called Dare to Dream, Creating a God-Sized Mission Statement for Your Life, written by Mike Slaughter, who's the pastor of a very large United Methodist church in Ohio called Ginghamsburg Church. And in that book, he talks about birthright this way, kind of three, three components. 
It's your mission on planet Earth, and it will do two, three things. Honor God, bless other people, bring you joy. And he says that if it isn't doing all three, then you haven't quite found your birthright. If it isn't honoring God, blessing other people, and bringing you joy, then you haven't quite figured out your mission on planet Earth. Mike Slaughter says, God did not create us to sit around waiting to die so we can leave planet Earth and go to heaven. God created us so that we would use the gifts God has given us to bring more heaven into planet Earth. It's a good way to think about it, right? We're not just sitting around waiting to die so we can go to heaven, but rather um, trying to use the gifts God has given us to bring more heaven to planet Earth. Now, I have a feeling that most of us have a feeling that there's something more, that we haven't quite fulfilled the mission that God planted within us, that maybe we haven't quite completely claimed the gifts that God has given us and found ways to use them to make a difference in the world fully. That maybe we haven't quite claimed our birthright. That God-given purpose that honors God, blesses other people, and brings us joy. And that there's something more, and that we don't want to miss out on that something more. Right? Am I right? Most of us have this feeling, maybe it's a lingering feeling. Maybe not everyone would use these words, but I would say that I would describe that as a deep hunger to know God and know ourselves more fully, to live faithfully, and to contribute to something that is larger than ourselves. I think that is a hunger that's pretty universal. So how do we get there? How do we find our stride? By the way, we're using this metaphor of, of the, the, the runners around the track, right, as the kind of metaphor for this series. And I just want to point out, over here is Exhibit A. <laughs> Linda Greer ran the Mother's Day 5K. <laughs> so when you get extra points for being on theme today. <laughs> Last week, Sarah shared part of the story of Moses. Remember the story of how he encountered the burning bush? Now, wouldn't you just like it if that's how God communicated with you, that you're walking along, and there is a bush on fire, and it is talking to you, and it is telling you, this is your purpose in life. <laughs> for most of us, that is not the way it happens. But that is how it happened for Moses, and God said, through the burning bush, to Moses, what? What was his, his birthright, his mission? Did anybody remember? Ten commandments? Well, not, 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 not in the burning bush. What was it? Go and free my people, right? God says, I see my people, the Israelites, uh, oppressed and in captivity, enslaved, and I'm sending you to go to Pharaoh to set my people free. And Moses was like doing the dance, right? Because <laughs> I didn't plan to do that. That was one thing. <laughs> yeah, right. He was all excited, right? Because couldn't wait to get started doing what God wanted him to do. This was his birthright, right? Wrong. <laughs> Moses had several objections, didn't he? Number one, I don't talk good, God. I think you got the wrong, I think you called the wrong number. Maybe there's someone else that's better qualified for that job. But God says, no, you are the one. So I'm going to pick up and read just a little, a few more verses in that story from Exodus chapter 4. 
So this is, Moses has already raised several objections and God has an answer for each one. And then we read this. Then Moses replied, but what if they don't believe me or pay attention to me? They might say to me, the Lord didn't appear to you. And the Lord said to him, what's that in your hand? Now notice this. Moses asks a question and God does not answer the question. What does God do? Asks a question. Jesus does this all the time too. Answers the question with a question. The Lord said to him, what's that in your hand? Moses replied, anybody remember what he has in his hand? A shepherd's rod, right? The Lord said, throw it down on the ground. So Moses threw it on the ground and it turned into a snake. Moses jumped back from it. I would too, wouldn't you? Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out and grab the snake by the tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed it, and it turned back into a rod in his hand. Do this so that they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, Abraham's God, Sarah's God, Isaac's God, Jacob's God, has in fact appeared to you. God says, what's that in your hand? And I think this is what God says to each one of us. When God calls us to do something, and we raise objections, because we always do, right? We have several good excuses. Then God says, what's that in your hand? What's that ordinary thing that you have? That's what I want to use through you to make a difference. And maybe it's not a thing like a shepherd's rod. Maybe it's something less tangible. But it's the ordinary thing that you have, just part of who you are, that you're carrying with you, that God wants to use to fulfill God's purposes through you, to honor God, to bless other people, and to bring you joy. This week I came across a really cool thing on the internet. I think someone posted it to Facebook, I can't remember exactly. But uh, it seems that there are, at Columbus College of Art and Design, there are two anonymous students who are breaking into classrooms in the middle of the night. Nobody knows who they are, but they do it every week. And they are creating masterpieces on the chalkboard with nothing but chalk and just leaving them for people to find. So here are a few examples. Chalk, my friends, the ordinary thing that you have in your hand. And they're using these quotes is kind of just leaving inspiring words. This one says, nothing is really work unless you would rather be doing something else. It's kind of finding your stride, isn't it? How about this one? Now this, I'm showing you an up close and then, so the, the quote says, the universe is under no obligation to make sense to you. <laughs> but look at that masterpiece made out of chalk. Here's another one. To look like a computer, like computer screens. A quote from Steve Jobs: "The only way to do great work is to love what you do. If you haven't found it yet, keep looking." First, right? Don't settle. As with all matters of the heart, you'll know when you find it. That's kind of like finding your birthright, isn't it? This quote says, know how to spell a word more than one way. It's a quote by Mark Twain. Look, that's Mark Twain's profile. See? Aren't these amazing? 
Dr. Seuss, all the places you'll go. They're just doing these in the middle of the night and no one knows who it is and they leave them. With enough butter, anything is good. <laughs> Don't spend time beating on a wall hoping to transform it into a door. All you need is love, John Lennon. Doesn't that look totally three-dimensional? Who we are cannot be separated from where we are from. Malcolm Gladwell, he's the author of books like Blank and The Tipping Point, if you've read any of those great books. Now this one's hard to read, but just look at the masterpiece before you try to find the words in it. And it says, an individual doesn't get cancer, a family does. And you know there's a story behind that, right? Maybe you've lived that story. I write to discover what I know, Flannery O'Connor. It always seems impossible until it is done. Now, I think this is just remarkable for a whole bunch of reasons. First of all, chalk. I mean, the ordinary thing that you have in your hand in every classroom, right? Just using it. And what's going to happen the next morning? It's going to be erased because some professor needs to use that chalkboard. So they're just totally temporary. It's like offering it up to the universe with no expectation of its longevity at all. Right? Just being totally present in the moment. Why are they doing this? Is It's not bringing them fame or fortune. Well, it is kind of bringing them a little bit of fame, but nobody knows who they are. Right? Does it honor God? I would say yes. Like totally using the gifts that God has given them. Right? Does it bless other people? You better know it, right? And does it bring them joy? I have to believe it brings them joy because these are college students who surely have a lot of studying to do, but they're taking, I mean, how many hours does it take to do these things? In the middle of the night when they could be cramming or sleeping or eating pizza or something else, this is what they're doing. So surely it's bringing them joy. Now, I'm not, I'm not gonna say that this is the totally found their stride, this is their mission in life and that's it. But in this moment, they are finding their stride, right? And God is going to use these gifts to make a difference in the world. Here's another story that's different. Losing a child at birth is so sad, and it can be so tough on many levels, including what to do with the nursery you prepared. In Tokedo, an emotional surprise for a still grieving mother, the crib once meant for her baby boy, has a new purpose. Here's Fox 9's Rob Olson. This is Noah when he came out. For most of Valerie Watts' pregnancy, her son Noah was developing just fine until the final few days. Oh, all week. I knew. He wasn't moving as much. I was very nervous. His umbilical cord had become pinched in the womb, and Noah was still alive. But you didn't plan to celebrate. No. You were going to hold on to it? Yes. But tell me why. Since last July, when she lost him, she'd been holding on to his crib, not ready to part with it, but still a bit of an open wound to keep it. She was kind of hesitant. I knew that, well, maybe she didn't want to sell it, but yet she did. A few miles away, on the outskirts of Cocaine. This is my quad cycle that I'm making on a PVC pipe. 
Gerald Kampula's got a workshop in his garage, and one of the things he's been tinkering with lately is converting headboards and footboards into benches. When he asked me if I was selling that, that he made benches, I hesitated. He spotted the crib at Valerie's garage sale in April, and even though the crib wasn't technically part of the sale, she eventually agreed to sell it, and he had no idea until after he loaded it into his truck what had happened. His wife was there looking through my garage sale at some of the baby clothes and asked how old my son was since I don't use the crib anymore and the clothes were little and I told her that he had passed in July. And then we decided on the way home that, you know, this bench is coming back. This is the back part of the crib? So a week later, in total surprise to Valerie, he returned with the converted crib and gave it back. I started crying instantly. A random act of kindness to turn something that was painfully unused into something comforting. So it's part of the Kabila It's amazing. And there's good people there, there's proof. In Kokeo Robinson, Fox 9 News. Well, that is kind of a hard Mother's Day story. But there's something beautiful about it, even in the midst of the pain and the loss, right? So, how about that guy? Is he finding his stride? I don't think it's his livelihood. Sometimes we mix this up, like our birthright is our employment, it's our job, and, and, and so often it's not. It's, it's not necessarily our bread and butter. It's about using the gifts God has given us. Is he honoring God? Is he blessing other people? Is he finding joy? Yeah. Did you hear what he said? It's fun to be able to do something. He said that through tears. Finding your stride. You might say that he is, he called it, or the news person called it a random act of kindness. I would call it an Easter act of kindness. You might say that he is practicing resurrection. So anybody have a, an Easter act of kindness that you want to share about? Oh good, Linda, let's hear it. Great. <laughs> Anybody else? 
if you have not had a chance to do anything yet, you still have a couple more weeks. And you know what? You can go. You can even do them after March 25th. <laughs> but maybe next Sunday you'll be inspired to share a little bit about something. And let's just keep. Let's just keep doing this. God did not create us to sit around waiting to die so that we can leave planet Earth and go to heaven. God created us so that we would use the gifts God has given us to bring more heaven to planet Earth. And that's why God invites us to find our stride. So I want to make sure that you know about this. <laughs> this series is not just about a worship series, but also the, the, the small groups that we're starting this week. They're called stride groups. There are five groups. They're four weeks each. Monday afternoons, Monday, Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday Wednesday, and Thursday evenings in different locations. The Monday night group at Hope House is in both English and French. And we really hope that everyone here will take part in one of the stride groups. If the four-week groups don't work for you, we also are offering in a retreat format Friday evening and Saturday, May 30th, <coughs> right here. Same exact content, but in that retreat kind of format. And we would love to have you participate. In these stride groups, over the, over the course of four weeks or in the retreat, we'll be looking really closely at these five, so stride is an acronym, spiritual gifts, talents, resources, and individuality. Individuality meaning like personality traits that impact the way you think and work and interact with others. And then uh, dreams, that is the things we're passionate about, and life experiences, all, five, all six of those, part of who, what makes up each one of us individually. So we'll be kind of looking at each of those over the course of four weeks. There's some inventories that you'll take, you know, little self-tests and um, scoring things, and just, just ways of learning more deeply about ourselves. And thanks to Wanda and the discipleship team who, who have um, coordinated all of this. So Lindsay has a clipboard, and we'll be happy for you to sign up to take part in one of these. You also can sign up online. We, we'll, there's an online registration, and we'll be sending that around in a week. So I hope you'll take part. God says, what's that in your hand? What's that in your hand? Take your ordinary, everyday life and place it before God as an offering. God wants to use the gifts that God has given you to make a difference in the world. So find your stride. Amen. Let's stand and sing this song, Guide My Feet. This is an African-American spiritual. Uh, and this is our prayer as we continue in worship. Mm -hmm. 